Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State of You Podcast Episode 5. Today we have Mike G and Cam on here with us, and we're going to talk about a whole host of things. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, bro. Thanks for having uh, me, Darren. Always good to have you guys. Um, let's jump right into things. Uh, Miami got one week under their belts of spring ball. They take a little break. I don't know that uh, any earth-shattering news came out of week one, um, but what are your guys' initial impressions? I'll start with you, Mike. You want me to start the defensive line and work my way up, or how do you want me to do this, Jerry? All right, let's, let's just start with overall your impression of, of what you heard and what you, you know, seen from the team of week one, and then we can go position by position. Cool. Um, I thought what was interesting, I think it came out a couple of days ago, um, Coach D'Onofrio came out and said, we're going to run. They used to say, I believe it was last year and the year before, we're trying to convert more to 3-4. And uh, I believe last week they came out and said, we're actually going to run a little bit 3-4 and 4-3. Um, what I found interesting about that, from what I understand, it's probably going to look more like a 2-4-5, meaning you're going to have your linebackers being hybrids coming down and playing more defensive ends. So, I don't think we really have the makeup, per se, to have the right ends and left ends, but we could definitely do the right end, nose tackle, left end, and 3-4. And then when the 4-3 comes in, we're going to do a little bit 2-4-5. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out with the personnel we have. But overall, I was also happy with the secondary, with Larry Hope getting a lot of playing time. Um, And that's mainly because of uh, guys playing track, or well, I guess it would be running track, and just being out for the spring. So... Um, I was happy to see Larry Hope getting some work done. Excellent, Mike. Yeah, Larry's been, I think he's in year three with the program, so it, it's now or never for him. And uh, interesting you bring up the 2-4-5 the scenario uh, with guys now like Chad Thomas, Al-Qadim Muhammad, uh, obviously Tyreek McCord. Uh, you have a lot of those hybrid guys. So it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, how they use them, how they get as many of those guys on the field as possible. Uh, Cam, what are you gotcha. what are you hearing? What are you seeing from week one? Um, you know, I think that obviously the conversation at quarterback is going to be a huge story uh, for this team uh, moving on from Stephen Morris. Um, so you know, Ryan Williams is doing well. Uh, arm strength has improved, but not the same with Stephen Morris, like I've said before, and everybody said because I mean we have eyes in our head and brain that work, so you can see that not many people have that kind of arm, but. He's doing everything he can to win the job. Uh, the other part of that conversation that's really interesting to me is everybody just kind of anointed Brad Kaya as being the starter in 2015. But through the course of the first week, Kevin Olsen, his name uh, kept being mentioned by the coaches in a more positive way. Um, so, you know, maybe if he could really put things together, he could give Ryan Williams a run for his money this year. Uh, and if he's improving as much as it seems, and it could just be propaganda, who knows. But if it, he, he really is improving this much, then, you know, the foregone conclusion of Brad Kai is coming in, he's the quarterback next year, that definitely goes out of the window. Um, so that's one big thing for me. I didn't like the move of Dallas Crawford back to safety um, for the spring, obviously for uh, depth chart reasons, but he seems to have been been playing well out there. Um, at safety, adding physicality, as has Jamal Carter, who was a very highly touted recruit. So um, I just read in uh, Barry Jackson's Sports Buzz blog for the Miami Herald that people are saying it's, it's looking like, 
if things keep, it's going to be Deion Bush and Jamal Carter, even passing Rayshon Jenkins at a safety position. So that uh, definitely caught my attention after one week. And, and I hear you. And um, just getting back to originally what you were talking about, Kevin Olson, um, how much he's improved. Uh, Mike Say, better known as Dorsey it is on our blog, uh, stateofthew.com, is our eyes out on uh, the field during spring practice. And I had a chance to talk to him on the phone last week, and I asked him, you know, to give me a little insight on what's been going on there. Um, he didn't give, uh, you know, a glowing, you know, Olsen was lighting everybody up uh, review of Olsen, but he said you can see a more quiet confidence in him. He knows where to go with the ball. Um, to Mike's point, he said that uh, Rashawn Scott's been playing lights out, probably our best receiver in the spring, and that, you know, the times that Olsen targeted Scott, good things usually happen. Um, so that's another thing from my week one impressions of, of what I've heard and seen is that uh, Rashawn Scott's really developing, and uh, if he could stay healthy this year, he might be a better receiver than than what we initially expected. So, um, yeah, but but really interesting stuff. About the safeties, I, I initially thought Crawford was a good move. Um, I see your point about running back, but another player that also stood out week one was uh, Gus the Bus Edwards, had a really good week one. Seems to be establishing himself as, you know, one of our upper echelon running backs. So we'll have to see how that move plays out. Um, but, but thanks for your insight, guys. And, and what I want to do next is I just want to go position through position and just get a quick summary from you guys. But we're going to start out this week with just defense, and next week we'll cover the offense. So, Cam, I'm going to start with you this time. Um, defensive line, there is no more highly scrutinized position on the entire Miami roster. Uh, what are you looking for for the remainder of spring, and who, who's your one key performer on the defensive line? Um, I'm looking for consistency um, just in two areas, really. One, uh, pass rushing, the ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, that was something that we had lacked in years past, and you have this class coming in even with some of the early enrollees, a Darian Owens, um, a Juwan Young. I know they play linebacker, but the coaches looked at their ability to rush the pass or even from those positions. And, you know, you have a Trent Harris who's already on campus, um, AQM in his second year, uh, Tyreek McCord in his third year. I want to see them go to the next level, refine their technique, add moves, add success, getting to the quarterback. Um, and then at the defensive tackle position, it, for me, I want to see who either Calvin Hurtsloo or Michael Weish I want to see one of those two guys step up. And honestly, I have no rooting stake as to which one it is. I just want to see one of those guys come in, step up, own it, take it from right now. Because honestly, uh, you know, the Earl Moores and Jelani Hamilton, they've been here for long enough. I've seen what I can see from them. They're not going to change. They're not going to get better. So I'm not really looking at them for that improvement. Why Hurtaloo, who steps up, that's my thing. Hey, Cam, there's one guy you didn't mention along defensive tackle that um, has been in the program for a couple of years now, Corey King. And uh, from what I've seen of him on the field, I haven't been that impressed either. But uh, recently I had a chance to look at some of the numbers of, of you know, Miami from the UTUF program, and his numbers are off the charts. Uh, is King just a, a weight room guy, um, or is he somebody that can come in? Have you seen anything from him that makes you think he could come in and be a contributor? Um. You know, I, I think that he's really good at the weight room, obviously. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he did that. Um, I just don't see it translating to the field. And it's kind of like a lot of these kids that are recruits, and you see them at 
combines and camps and things and shorts and a T-shirt, they're an All-American. They're the best player ever. But you put them in the fire, you put pads on them, you put them during a game situation, and that doesn't translate over. And that's what I think with him. Now, I think he could be a rotation player maybe, but I don't see him as being a difference maker per se. All right. And, I mean, uh, Al Golden called out some of those guys. Uh, I think it was after uh, day three of spring practice. He, he called out Corey King. I think he mentioned Earl Moore by name, and he said these guys have been around and it's time for them to step up. So be interesting to see if they can do that. Uh, Mike, defensive line, you know, as I said, uh, highly scrutinized, very important position. We all know how much Miami's defense struggled. What, what are you looking for for the remainder of spring, and who are some guys that you're keeping your eye on? Man, you guys are pessimists. Man, I'm just sitting here going, wow. I mean, just you hope for development. I don't want to cast anybody out. You just hope that everybody can get eventually better. Um, the key for me, you guys have already mentioned it, but in this scheme I really do believe um, it's just a push. We need something. I wouldn't say like a huge pass rush from the end. Um, just I'm going to talk about McCord, Al-Qadim Muhammad, Chad Thomas, and the linebackers. I I put them there because I believe they're hybrids. Um, I think, you know, we've heard about it in stories, but McCord um, especially is going to be used as, a as you know, a coverage guy as well as a um, pass rusher. He's not going to be as specialized this year. So I got them a little bit later. I want to talk about them later. But, I mean, looking at Kamalu and Weish and Hurtalu and – Chikola, those are like the main guys I look at right now, as well as you hope Moten can make, you know, an impact this year coming in as a freshman. But those guys we need a push from. Um, I wouldn't expect a huge pass rush, but we need, you know, they need to take up blockers. That's what the 3-4 uses. And that's, you know, that's how I see these guys as, is 3-4 defensive linemen. Um, in pass rush, I'll get into that a little bit later. It'll be changed up a little bit. But from right to left, I think it's going to be Kamalu, Hawaii. Hertelu mixed in with Weiss, and then Chicolo on the other outside. You just you need to take up blockers, and for these guys, my key is the run game. If they can work well in the run game and just be muscle up there, that would be huge. Um, pass rush is going to come in a little bit different variety. We saw it in the Louisville game, although you don't want to you want to kind of burn that game's footage, but we saw a lot of safety blitzes, some linebacker blitzes. Of course, they didn't get there all the time or any time, I guess. But with our defensive line, those guys specifically who I named need to take up uh, blockers. And that's where I see their objectives are. Hopefully moving forward, they can get more of a push. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the Louisville game, and two words come to mind when I think of the Louisville game. Dumpster, fire. Uh, yeah, but definitely you know what? That out. first play when we got to safety was, you know, the epitome of what we want. We want, you know, a safety blitz coming up confusing the guys. It was on the perfect play call, I'd give you that. But that's what the Miami defense, I believe they want going forward, is deception, guys doing their role, executing, and hopefully it works out. Excellent point, Mike. Now, Mike, you referenced the linebacker position. You talked about some of these hybrid guys. But but can you talk about the position as a whole? Um, along the same lines, um, who are you looking for that's at the front of the pack as far as the depth chart at linebacker, and who, who needs to develop more? Sure. For our fans listening, what I believe we're going to be running towards more this year is you're going to have three legitimate linebackers. You're going to have Figueroa, Perriman, and Kirby. Now, where they play, it could be middle linebacker, outside. It doesn't really matter. But those are the three guys that are going to be really big. You can mix in, you know, Jermaine Grace, Duran, Owens in there a little bit. But those are like the three linebackers. And I'll see them in coverage, a little bit of run, you know, 
going after the quarterback. But the three interesting guys that are going to be going after the quarterback, for me, most of the time, it's going to be well, who we talked about, the common characters, McCord, Muhammad, and Thomas. And so I put them almost in a normal a, a subset by themselves because those guys have to do a little bit of everything. So um, the guy that I look for most interesting this year is Figueroa. Um, it came out this week that he was injured a lot last year. I believe it was his shoulder. Um, so that's why he couldn't contribute as much. We heard about him lots in spring last year, and then he kind of tapered off due to the injury. But you know what you're going to get with Perriman. Um, moving him to the inside will be interesting. We'll see if he can become more of a tackling machine. But Figueroa could be one of those guys that was coming under the radar and can contribute a lot. And then Kirby. Um, man, the guy came in as like a four-star recruit, if I'm not mistaken, out of Georgia. Lost the hype. He's played a little bit of special teams. He contributed at the end last year. I'm really interested to in see where it takes off. But overall, the linebacker group, I mean, Jimmy Gaines, we thank you for your time. And, you know, he, he gave us a lot. Kelvin Kane and Teron Cornelius were kind of guys were like below the level of special teams. And now we got these new guys coming in. And the group is a lot more athletic. It's a lot bigger. Um, so I'll be excited to see what that is. But that hybrid group I mentioned too, McCord, Muhammad, and Thomas, to be honest with you guys, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are on the field at the same time in that 2-4-5 coverage I was telling you about. Putting McCord on the ground, Muhammad on the ground, or maybe even Thomas, and having the other guy stand up and come. I mean, that's that's a lot of speed out of linebackers, and I am very excited. Not that much experience, per se, because you lost those three guys, but the athletic ability right now is through the roof. It's interesting you bring up Figueroa, because I'm going to give props again to Mike. Uh, Mike Say, again, uh, talking to him, uh, he raved about Figueroa. He said, you know, during, I think, uh, practice four, things weren't going that well for the defense, and Figueroa was, you know, just showing the swag, fired up, yelling at people, screaming at people to get in position. Um, you know, that, that that was one of the bigger storylines from the linebacker position is Figueroa kind of taking on a role of leadership, um, both through action and through words. So uh, it'll be interesting to see his develop. Um Cam, I know we kind of picked the bones clean on this linebacker thing, but but what do you have to add for us on the linebacker position? Well, you know, I just think that the going back to Mike's original point, talking about the distribution between how much 4-3 and 3-4 we're going to play, we're recruiting guys to play a 3-4 defense. I don't care what D'Onofrio says, all right? Um, but if you look at the guys we brought in in this class and in last class, the guys we're talking about, Chad Thomas, AQM, Tyreek McCord, those are three, four outside backer guys, okay? And, yeah, I talk about them as pass rushers, but, I mean, you, you can't discount the other guys who are going to be there, the Figueroa's, the, the uh, uh, Perrymans, you know, the Kirby's. Those are going to be your base backers, you know, who the ones who are playing behind the line, you know, going by the actual definition of the word. And then those other guys are going to be pass rush kind of players. Yeah, obviously, if you have advanced schemes, which we're hopefully going to use, they're going to drop back into coverage at times because you can't just have a one-trick pony and be successful at this level. But, I mean, all those guys are really going to play for some kind of – well, not some kind of reason, but uh, obviously they're, they're great defenders and they're going to do a lot of different things. So I think that all these guys are going to be in the conversation um, at yeah, – Cam, are you with us? Uh-oh. Oh, I think we may have lost yeah. Cam, but we'll see. Oh, he's back. Yeah, oh, sorry. Okay, Cam. Um, that's all right. Uh, production problems happen. Do you want to finish that thought? No, I was just going to say, you know, those guys are all going to play uh, different roles, and, you know, we're going to see what that is. 
uh, as the season progresses and after everybody comes on uh, campus, too. Uh, Cam, I want to ask you real quick because you're sort of our, uh, you know, you're definitely our recruiting guru. Uh, Jermaine Grace was a guy that came in with a lot of hype and, you know, with a real solid reputation. Um, what, what do you think he needs to do his sophomore year to become more of a factor and to get on the field? Um, he needs to gain more weight. He needs to actually study his playbook a little bit more uh, and be more disciplined. Um, he is a very instinctual player, and that was what made him great at the high school level, uh, even if you saw him in that um, All-American game that he played in in California at the end of his season. Um, but the thing with the instincts is sometimes you can trust them at the expense of doing your assignment, and I think that's why he didn't get on the field a lot. Um, he's easily the best coverage linebacker we have. The kid, I mean, if he were, if he had a different body type, I'd put him at safety, but he really is a linebacker to me. But, yeah, he just needs to uh, be more physical so he can help at the point of attack and in the run game and study his playbook because you cannot freelance and stay on the field. Let me throw one more name at you, Cam, because I, I that, that's a very interesting insight on Grace. Uh, a guy that Mike mentioned that he said he's going to see the field this year, a guy that when I watched his game film coming out of high school, the, the, the name Sean Spence came to mind, and that's Raphael Kirby. Now, last year, I, I can't count how many times he was on the field and he was out of position or took a bad angle. Uh, what, what's your report on, Skir, on Kirby? Is he a, a good fit for this defense? I mean, what, what are you expecting from him? You know, I think that he could be a good fit, honestly. I think that our defense is going to be changing a little bit, and that's a good thing because we've all seen the defense over the last few years. Um, but I, I think that he can come in and play. He obviously has the physicality. Utah has been very good to him. You know, if, if you're just modeling a jersey, you look at Rafael Kirby, hey, I want to buy that number 56 jersey because, man, he's, you know, he's a physical beast. Uh, I think he can come in um, and, and really play well. Um, on the other side of uh, Perryman with Figueroa because those guys, you know, all three of them I think can be good players. And I think it could be an upgrade from what we had with certain guys from years past, Jimmy Gaines, Tyrone Cornelius. Thank you for your time. Take your degree. Get off my team. Um, but I think that he can be well. Yeah. yeah. Kirby looks the part. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for big things from him since he hit campus. So hopefully he turns that corner and he becomes the player we all hope he can. Um, all right, so good job on defensive line, good job on linebacker, a lot of moving parts there, a lot of versatility. Um, that's definitely going to be the key. Now, I, I, I'm absolutely excited about this defensive secondary. Uh, Cam and I may disagree on whether Dallas Crawford belongs there or not, but there's tons of talent on the secondary. I think it's going to be a strength of the team. Uh, Mike, let me start with you. Uh, defensive backs. Who are your starters if you had to pick right now, and, and what are you looking for going forward the rest of spring and heading into fall? Um, unfortunately, on this group, I'm not as excited as you are. I think there's a lot of potential, um, but what we know right now, I, I really like Tracy Howard. I think he had a good year last year. I don't remember him off the top of my head getting burned quite that often. I may be wrong, but I think on the other side, Gunther played a lot last year. I think he contributed well. Um, he had a few touchdowns, too. I know that the North Carolina game, he got the, you know, block field goal returned it, um, had a few interceptions. But I think it was Josh Mazur said it like a week or two ago. He's one of those guys that doesn't have that high of a ceiling. Um, he's playing at it. He's maxing it out. Um, but he's just, you know, not the guy you necessarily would want to necessarily be starting. 
Um, Larry Hope I mentioned previously. Um, Crawford was another guy we brought in. I think he was a three-star recruit. He's played pretty well, but he's one of those guys I wish they would have been able to redshirt so we could have him longer. But uh, the guy I'm really, really interested in is Artie Burns. Um, if he can get the mentality, you know, mental awareness good to go, he should be fine. I mean, prototypical, he's got the track speed. I believe he's six foot, maybe even taller than that. So he could, if he puts it together, he could be one of the next corners out of the U in, in the pros um, with Howard. I believe those two have the best the best NFL uh, prospects. And I don't know if you want me to get into safety, but Jamal Carter, I've heard, has come on really well. Um, I'm putting my report together uh for tomorrow's article on what's been going on the last few weeks. And Jamal Carter, they said, due to Rayshon Jenkins being out and a couple other guys doing other things, he's done really well in the spring. So I see this group, you know, you got Corn Elder, Nate Dorch, uh, Ray Lewis III, and then Ryan Mays coming in as well. You have a lot of potential, but what we know as it is right now from what I know, you know, I just, I'm kind of iffy on it. But we have to see what the coaches do if they can put it together. And that's, that's what I believe on the corners and safeties. And, uh, yeah, the, the guy that has me so excited is the guy you mentioned, Burns. Um, and then uh, this week, among other players that were uh, singled out as playing really well, is Ryan Mays, who's a guy that when he signed, I thought had redshirt, uh, you know, all over him. But from what I've been hearing and, and some of the reports we're getting back, he covers a lot of ground. Uh, he has good ball skills, um, so he might be a guy that maybe can come in and contribute a little sooner than we expected, although there's still a chance he redshirts because the position is very deep. Uh, Cam, what about yourself, defensive back? Are you more or less excited than than Mike? Um, I think I'm a little bit more excited, um, not a whole lot, um, but at the same time, I'm excited for some guys while discounting others. And maybe that's just me um, as a person. I know he was saying, you know, oh, man, you're so pessimistic earlier uh, in in the show. I'm not pessimistic. I just don't think I, – I, I believe my eyes. If we've seen somebody do things for a long time, they're going to continue to do that. Uh, Larry Hope, I've had many discussions about this gentleman uh and I don't want to cast any aspersions, but, like, honestly, he shouldn't even be on the, on the roster. Like, uh, it just it boggles my mind. So, you know, hearing that he's doing well, I take that with not even a grain of salt but an entire truckload of Morton salt uh, just because I don't <laughs> think that he's going to really be a factor uh, for us. Tracy Howard with Darius Gunter, Art Burns, uh, Antonio Crawford, maybe a Ryan Mays mix in. Uh, so those guys, that's, you know, who I look at. And it's a safety position. I just think that everybody is going up a new level. Jamal Carter, he's stepping up with Jenkins out. But we know Jenkins can be a solid starter, even though, like Jermaine Grace, like other guys, maybe doesn't stick to his assignment. Deion Bush, they're talking about him being back. And for all those listening, he was a freshman All-American his freshman year, and he fought all those injuries last year. So that excites me greatly. Um, So those guys, those are the things that have me excited. Some of these other guys, coming up all of a sudden, Nate Dorch, come on, like seriously, like come on, come on, no, I don't think so. But the <laughs> other guys were actually progressing, that makes me happy. Boy, uh, my, my blood pressure and my sodium levels are, are way higher after that segment. Um, <laughs> the whole truckload is gone, huh? All right. You know, I, I, yeah, that's just me. I, that, that's all good. Uh, I am kind of um, – 
criticized at times in my writing and some of the other things that I do for being overly optimistic. I, I always I give players too much of the benefit of the doubt, perhaps. So it's a good uh, balancing factor, Cam, to have you on here with your doubts and your truckload of salt. So it's all good. Yeah. But guys, we're going to move on in this next segment. Uh, I don't think you could possibly have a Kings podcast this week and not touch on baseball. Uh, Javi Salas pitched a perfect game. Uh, the team completed a sweep 4-3 to three win today over Boston College, so they took the three games, the first three ACC games. They're 10-5 and five on the year. Uh, Kings baseball, kind of like Kings basketball, even more so because they have such a great tradition. They have college World Series titles. Um, I don't think Kings baseball gets enough attention, and, and myself, I'm guilty of that as well. I'm just now starting to come around and really follow Kings baseball. Uh, Cam, you're an avid baseball follower. Um so I'm going to ask you quickly uh, what your impressions of the week was, your impressions of the team. And for those listening to this, I just want to let you know that we have two new Canes writers on staff, a gentleman named Kyle and a gentleman uh, named Barry. Uh, we're going to have them on here eventually to provide more insight. Barry was at the game last night, um, You know, did a great job writing it up. Um, so, so, guys, Canes baseball is going to be something we continue to cover throughout the spring and the summer as they, they work towards uh, – trying to make the College World Series. Cam, give me your, your impressions quickly on, on this team. Um, the team is a lot more talented than in the years past. Um, being in South Florida, obviously, like with football, we have baseball year-round and some elite teams, uh, multiple-time state champions. Modern Academy, Columbus is usually pretty good. Flanagan, uh, multiple, multiple championships. So in the, in the near area, so recruiting those players, is usually are usually things that Jim Morris and the company would do, but since they're so good, a lot of those guys would choose to sign with the Major League Baseball team that drafted them. So a lot of our signing classes never even made it to Kansas until this year. Um, so we brought in like 13 guys. We brought in nine guys who had been drafted, including uh, Jason Hayward of the Braves, his younger brother Jacob, um, Zach Collins from American Heritage High School was like a high pick. I want to say it was like fifth round or eighth round, and you usually don't get those guys to come to school. So we have a lot more talent now than in years past. Obviously, um, Javi Salas with the perfect game uh, is amazing. Well, the second one in Miami history, a, a phenomenal job. I mean, you know, congratulations to him. 5-0 uh, and this week, um, two against Villanova, three against Boston College, uh, wins, that is. Um, you know, and so trending in a positive direction. Um, Overall, I don't, I don't like what we're doing in the bullpen. There's a couple guys who've been coming in. Adam Sargent, uh, he got lit up at Florida State uh, in the finale game after we had tied it up, and then he gave up seven runs in the subsequent inning. Uh, he got uh, shelled today. He gave up the three runs or two runs in the eighth uh, until we pulled him. Um, so the bullpen is kind of shaky right now. Um, the closer, Garcia, he's a freshman uh, from Columbus. He's doing really well. Outside of him, however, uh, there's some questions on the back end. Also, our defense is just, I mean, bad news bears. We have, we're averaging like two errors a game, I want to say, something like that, or close to. It's, so it's really bad on the fielding and throwing. So we need to tighten that up. Um, and then some of these guys who we've been looking to to support the offense, they're not doing it. David Thompson, former football player um, who plays baseball exclusively now, He's been in the slump. The Zach Collins kid I was talking about, he plays catcher in DH. Uh, I think he's hitting like 104 
so far, and he's playing almost every day uh, in his college career. So that's, you know, two for 30-something, uh, give or take. So uh, not really holding his weight. But then you have Willie Abreu from Hialeah, who started off hitting seventh. He's heating up, and now he's all the way up to hitting third in the order now, in front of Brad Seeger, the ACC career leader in hits, in front of David Thompson, you know, and other guys. Uh, Kennedy, the catcher, who's doing playing well uh, catching, and his bat was hot to start with, and it's tailed off. Um, so it's kind of uneven um, on the offense, but we're starting to hit the ball a little bit better. Um, I see Laz, um, Cutler Ridge Laz on Twitter, good friend of mine and, and a huge fan, and a lot of people, myself included, saying, why did we bunt so much? Uh, it's a small ball. We go base-to-base kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's just Jim Morris overcorrecting from the previous era of, like, 18 home runs per game in college baseball. But, you know, there, there's, some, there's some positive things that are going on. There's some negative things. But overall, uh, I think that we're playing well. We're starting to hit our stride. And as long as we can continue to pitch well, I think that we'll be in a good spot. Yeah, that, that was what I was going to ask you about next. Uh, I know, you know, I followed them not maybe religiously last year, but I followed them, you know, pretty heavy last year, and they really couldn't score runs, but that pitching staff was great. I mean, and this year you got Radzewski. I mean, he just got his first win, but he's really good. Uh, Salas has been good. Uh, Suarez is, is good. I mean, how, how good is that rotation? Are they? Are this one of the best rotations in all of college baseball, Cam? I don't know about one of the best in all of college baseball, but it's in the top half of the ACC uh, and it'll keep us in games. I'll probably say, uh, you know, yeah, we're probably like top 15, top 20 rotation right now. Um, over, you know, with, uh, taking everybody into account on the starting rotation, yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, but, it, yeah, it really comes down to the offense. We need to hit and, you know, I named more guys who are not hitting well than who are. Um, and I've been to the games. So, like, Dale Carey leading off center fielder, he's doing well. Um, Tyler Palmer transferred from UF a couple years ago, left fielder. He's hitting well. Um, but Thompson started hot, started hot, he's tailing off. Abreu, he's getting hot now. Um, you know, but, yeah, there's a lot of guys who, you know, are just kind of in the lineup hitting in the low hundreds, 200s area. You know, we just need more consistent contact um, and production, you know, from the, from the bats. And, you know, if you take out that perfect game, where the offense scored 17 runs, by the way, uh, I wish we could have saved those for another day. But, you know, we just need to be more consistent at the plate. All right, Cam, good stuff. Mike, are you still with us? I am here. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything to add to, to baseball, or is it not really something you've been following closely? I mean, I've been following it. To be honest, it's hard to follow it because there's not as much, you know, news coverage. I have to go a lot of through Twitter, to be honest with you, to keep the updates going. But, I mean, you guys nailed it. They they came into the year, I believe they were ranked in the top 20. Uh, they got three or four pitchers that are starters. Um, I've been following it this year. And my concern, um, I haven't followed it in the past, but will our starters get tired? I know they play like three to four games a week. You know, you have your, your number one go Friday or Thursday, and then, you know, Saturday, Sunday is your two and three. And then the next week, if you only have the weekend series as well, you just start over. My concern is, you know, with the starting pitching going heavily into the late games, what are we going to be like at the midway end of the year? Um, we have really good starting pitching, and that's what our strength is, and that's what, you know, America knows us as right now. That's why we're ranked so highly. Um, 
I'm just a little concerned, can we keep it going? Because are those guys going to be able to keep it going? Are they going to get tired? Um, that would be my only concern because I don't believe we hit well last year from what I remember. And this year, you know, you guys talked about it, we're very streaky. In some games it's, you know, 17 runs, and then like yesterday it was like three or so. So I would be concerned about the starting pitching. and Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, you know, they can hold up. All right, good stuff, Mike. And good stuff, Cam, as well. So that covers us baseball. We're going to continue to keep an eye on baseball, and that's something we're going to have a regular segment about, and hopefully we can get some of our baseball writers on here as well in the future. All right, guys, moving on to my favorite subject that I always have to sneak in here every week, ACC basketball. This week we've got the ACC tournament. Uh, Miami will be playing on Wednesday. I believe their first game is at 2.30, 3 o'clock, uh, actually 3.30 Eastern. Yeah, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2. They'll be playing Virginia Tech at the Greensboro Coliseum. Um, ACC tournament should be pretty exciting this year. Uh, Virginia is obviously going to be the number one seed. Syracuse, despite struggling down the stretch, is going to be the number two. Um, a lot of teams on the bubble, teams like Florida State, teams like Clemson, although they're probably a very little chance of making it at this point. But uh, you've got a lot of bubble teams. The ACC tournament should be great this year. Um, if Miami can get past Virginia Tech, who incidentally has beat them twice somehow this year, um, in the second round they play the seventh seed, which is not yet determined because there's still a couple games this afternoon, but it could be Florida State. If they could somehow get past that Thursday game, they would play Syracuse. Uh, Cam, I'm going to start with you. Um, what are you looking for in general from the ACC tournament? What are you looking for from Miami? Uh, excuse me, sorry. In general, um, I want to see if I want to see which Duke team shows up because even they had a good win against Carolina uh, last night on Saturday night. Um, but I want to see which team uh, comes out because Rodney Hood he played really well. Jabari Parker he's an NBA player in college, uh, so I want to see how they come out uh, to play. I want to see about Syracuse because you know that zone um, can be stifling at times, but you know, there are some people who don't like it, me, myself, personally. I think that you're, you need to play man-to-man defense. This is how I was grown up. Uh, that's yeah. how I know how to play. So I want to see what they do. Uh, and I want to see if Virginia can be this year's Miami team in that not really expected to, to do well uh, this season, but win the regular season, can they back that up with the tournament championship also? Uh, so can they continue that? Even And they lost earlier this afternoon at Maryland. I really want to see that uh, in general. Uh, it's always a spectacle. Uh, it's always a great thing. I want to see who has a legendary performance, who has that Randolph Childress performance from the ACC tournament in, like, 92, I want to say. If you don't know about that one, look it up. Uh, absolutely fantastic. It was one of the most legendary ACC tournament performances ever. Uh, so those things I'm looking for from the team, first of all, let's beat Virginia Tech because that's a terrible team, and they beat us twice. And then, you know, just do our absolute best and see what happens. Yeah, and Randolph Childress, I, I remember him well. Uh, a guy that Miami fans should know well if you follow Keen's Hoops at all, Jack McClinton. Uh, Randolph Childress was maybe like a, a even more explosive Jack McClinton. He, he had that one ACC tournament where he was absolutely unstoppable and nearly carried weight to the title. Um, so that's no, they definitely... did win the title that year. Oh, they did win the title that year. I thought they lost in the championship game. 
Duke and North Carolina win so many of them that you almost take for granted that anybody else ever won one. So, um, yeah, Childress was was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think Vital, you know, nearly wet himself uh, from how well Childress played in that huh? in that uh, tournament. Well, I just looked it up right quick. He averaged thirty six points and seven assists in that ACC tournament. Um, and he had 37 and 7 and the game winning jumper with four seconds left in. Oh, no. What happened? I think we, I think we lost Cam again. Uh, oh, no. no. Oh, I had such a good point, too. Oh, uh, keep, back. keep going, Cam. You're back. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was just saying, um, first of all, I'm sorry, my phone is, is messing me up today, but I looked it up <laughs> while you were talking. Um, Randolph Childress in the ACC tournament in 95, excuse me, he averaged 35.7 points a game and seven assists a game in that tournament and had 37.7 assists and the game-winning jumper with four seconds left in overtime against Carolina. Yeah, that's what you call balling out. Um, exactly. And there, there, there are guys this year that are capable of doing it. Uh, a, a guy I really like, um, that doesn't have the team around him to maybe make that kind of run. But I see T.J. Warren, and he just is just a, an NBA small forward playing in the ACC. Um, when a couple weeks back, when Miami really put a beating on NC State, I remember a play where he stole the ball from Manu Lacan, who was playing well. He picked his pocket, dribbled down court, and Tanya Jakiri was running step for step with him, and he just exploded and dunked with two hands. And Jakiri didn't even really try and block it because. It just got up so quick. I mean, that guy can really play. Maybe he can carry NC State to a win or two. Um, another guy I really like how he's playing, Marcus Page. Um, kind of reminds me of a, a contemporary Damon Stoudemire, a left-handed guy that can take the ball to the basket, really smooth, pulling up, shooting, uh, has taken his game to the next level, and, and is probably the, easily the biggest reason why in, uh, North Carolina – uh, had a 10-game winning streak before losing the Duke last night. Um, so those are a couple guys that maybe can, you know, lead their teams uh, all the way through. For Miami, they don't have that one guy. Ryan Brown is having a great senior season, but it's going to have to be a team effort with Miami. They're going to have to get contributions from Swope. Uh, Gary Adams played maybe the best game of his career yesterday with Miami closing out Lake Forest uh, to win on senior day. They're going to need more of that from Adams. I. If they can get past the second round, that third-round matchup, I know it would be their third uh, game in three days, but with Syracuse struggling a little bit, considering that they gave Syracuse a hard time this year and their two regular season matchups, maybe they can pull the upset. And and I, I'm not expecting Miami to win the ACC tournament by any stretch of the imagination, but if they could beat Syracuse in the third round, maybe that's enough to at least get them an NIT berth. Um, so, all right, so, Mike, um, I, I we're kind of – Cam and I going back and forth here about ACC basketball. We don't want to leave you out. Uh, what, what are you looking for this week from Miami, and what are you looking for as a whole from the ACC tournament? Um, you guys pretty much covered it all, but um, for the ACC, I'd be interested to see Syracuse. I think they were, what, 21-0, 22-0 a few weeks ago, and then they started scuffling, lost four out of five. Um, so I'd like to see how they return because, you know, for brackets, it's how you how you go into the end of the season, and you know, you got Wichita, I think it was like 31-0 going in. They won their conference. And now are they legitimately the team, even though they're in the small conference, um, are they going to go through? 
but we got to see, you know, the Dukes and North Carolina. Those teams will have something to say. Um, so, and Florida, of course, they're doing amazing. So I'm curious to see how those teams overall um, do because and how it plays back in the ACC is with Syracuse, they were up there for so long and they kind of tapered off. But if Syracuse can get it going again, they have the talent. They've been there before, which is a big key for all you bracket busters out there. If you got guys like last year, I think it was New Mexico, New Mexico State, and then they played somebody like Harvard, who had been there the last two or three years in Mexico State, hadn't been there in a long time, and Harvard beat them. The only reason I remember that is because that's the ideology I had going in. I picked that game. It was like a 14 versus a three, and I went with the Harvard there, and they won. And I was one of like 5% in America that went with it. That was my, my crowding achievement, my crowning achievement last year. But, you know, looking at Syracuse, they got the coach, obviously, Hall of Famer. They got the players, you know, Ennis. Um, they got the scheme. If they can get it going again, they they will be a team to watch come, you know, March Madness time. But for our guys, you know, I know you're looking ahead like three games or so, or hopefully we can get there, but you got to go one game at a time. And, VT, you know, they're not very good. Um, are we very good? We try. Uh, we try our best. But it will be a team effort. You know, yesterday's game was a great point. Just like you said, you know, Adams, you know, and a few other guys. You know, Ryan Brown had 19. I think Adams had 22. Um, everybody's got to contribute. That's just the way the team is. So one game at a time. Hopefully we can beat VT. Um, and then you got to see what goes on next. But, the wild card team for the overall picture for me is Syracuse because you know what you're getting with Duke. North Carolina has been ridiculous, you know, 10 wins in a row and looking really, really hot, um, but are playing really hot too. And uh, you just got to see what Syracuse can do, in my opinion. All right, Mike. And um, for those who read us regularly uh, at some point this week, most likely tomorrow when the full ACC brackets come out and before Wednesday, obviously, when the game starts, uh, I'm going to go through game by game, and I'm going to do a full ACC prediction um, start to finish. Uh, I'm going to give you who I think are going to be the all-tournament players, who I think is going to win the tournament, um, all that good stuff. That will be something I'll probably be working on to get out on Tuesday uh, on the eve of the ACC tournament. Um, that should be fun. I always enjoy writing those. Um, Cam, getting back to you for a second. Uh, Mike touched on some teams uh, outside of the ACC that he's looking forward to seeing in the in the big tournament. Uh, we got a full week of championship week ahead, so it's a little premature. And I, before I fill out my brackets, I want to see how championship championship week plays out myself. But Cam, just uh, just for the fun of conversation, uh, who are some teams outside of the ACC that you really like to make a run this year? Um, I want to see about Wichita State. They did win their tournament. They're thirty four and zero. Thirty yeah, thirty four and zero right now. Um, so uh, the most wins going into an NCAA tournament, so I want to see if they can keep it going. Do they have the magical undefeated season? I don't know. Um, Arizona, I want to see them because they are really talented and they play really hard, and when they need a stop on defense, they dig on defense unlike any other team in the country this year. Uh, Their rotation, their footwork, their communication, it's just really, really a joy to watch. and because I love defense, I was, you know, that was my calling card when I played and everything. So that kind of sticks out to me. So I want to see them. Um, I'm from Michigan, so Michigan and Michigan State, I'm a homer, whatever. Um, Michigan undefeated or the Big Ten champion, I want to see, can they keep it going? Michigan State, they've been injured. Uh, 
Tom Izzo always has that team playing really well coming into March. So is this a year that he can find some magic going in? Uh, those four teams I really want to see. And then Villanova, they're having the quietest three-loss season I've heard of in the longest time. Yeah, I, 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 I was just thinking the same thing. Um, I think it's because the Big East is kind of a gutted conference this year that nobody's really – everybody's sleeping on, on that team because it's not the same year as when, you know, you got your Georgetowns and your Syracuse and, you know, all the, all the teams that left the Big East have left that conference to where it's not one that you think of uh, offhand. But, yeah, Villanova's having a great year. Um, you know, you get the kids from Philly. Miami's got one coming in next year and Jaquan Newton. You get those kids from Philly, they play hard, they play defense, there's always good guard play. Yeah, Villanova's definitely a team to watch. And I couldn't agree with you more on uh, on, on Michigan State. Um, they've had some injury problems this year, so people are kind of sleeping on them. They they haven't had their full squad, but it, they're, they're starting to get healthy at the right time. But, I mean, that's a team led by Gary Harris. Um, they got the inside players, they got the outside players. That That's a team that I expect to do very well. Um, you know, along with um, some of the other teams you mentioned. I, I also like Arizona. Uh, the Tarzuski guy is an underrated performer on the inside, really good player. Um, it's it's going to be a wide-open tournament. Even though Wichita State's undefeated, I don't see them as that dominant team. Um, but they were good enough to get to the Final Four last year, so I definitely wouldn't sleep on them. I like Florida. Uh, I like their point guard, Wilbekin. He reminds me a little bit of Shane Larkin, the way he's always in control. Uh, Florida's got really good players. They just finished an undefeated SEC run, so uh, the SEC is not exactly the same as it is for football, for basketball. But, uh, yeah, Florida would probably be the team I would give the best odds to definitely make the Final Four out of out of the teams I expect to get number one seeds. Wichita State's going to be right there. Arizona's going to be right there. Michigan State. So, and there's always going to be a team that that pulls the Florida Gulf Coast. We just have to see who they are. Exactly. All right, guys. So, I'm going to move a little bit forward. We've covered the Canes. We've covered the ACC tournament. Um, we've covered the NCAA tournament. Um, we, we've we've gone around through a wider array of subjects today, um, and obviously. Uh, there's only so much you can cover in one day, but before we close out the show, uh, something that's coming up right around the corner is the NFL free agency period. Um, the tampering period is now over. Uh, some guys are resigning. UM alum Sam Shields just resigned with Green Bay, I believe, yesterday. Um, guys are starting to come off the table. Mike, I'm going to start with you on this subject. Um, who are some guys in the NFL free agency period that you look to see? Uh, switch teams, who are some guys that uh, you think could be key as you're a Redskins fan uh, that could come <laughs> to the Redskins? Well, I know um, Pro Marty, I heard, actually through you know social media, was released today by the Jets. Um, that team may go through a slight, well, I don't think you can say overhaul is a slight change, but I've heard Sanchez may be next on that list, you know, just for either restructuring or releasing uh, uh, some other things. So, Mike, I have to uh, interrupt you for a second because I am a Jets fan. <laughs> I grew up in Jersey. Okay. Sanchez, Sanchez is as good as gone. Uh, the Cromartie okay. move, I think Cromartie is going to come back to the Jets. I think he's got a $13 million salary cap number. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get that number down, and, and they're going to negotiate with him. But I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Oh, no, it's good. Um, 
I, I, as a Redskin fan, you think I'd be super excited about free agency, but we're more tired of it up in the D.C. area. It's, you know, we would appreciate the team being able to draft good instead of having to buy talent to bring in. Uh, but I think they're looking to get a safety. I don't know about, I believe, Jarris Bird from the Bills. I don't know if he got restructured or franchise tagged. I don't think he got franchised. I know they've been in ongoing discussions with him. But uh, uh, I think this area, we, we are tired of bringing in the $12 million a year, you know, big signings. We just – the small signings, you know, Garcon a few years ago was a great guy to bring in. Um, just the younger, the mid-20s um, guys that have done well at other teams but maybe weren't evaluated as well um, that can come in and do better for you. But, you know, from a Washington perspective, they have a lot of money because that whole NFL fiasco of tampering is over with. I won't even begin to get into how screwed up that situation was. Um, but we have, the Redskins have a lot of money. Will they do anything with it? Um, I've heard that they will. Are the Redskins fans excited that they will? I, I don't think so. We, we've seen it for so many years. They've been good the last five or so years, but uh, whatever they do, we'll be watching. Um, but that's what I got from the Washington side. Uh, Mike, before I move on to Cam, what do you think the over-under is on percentage of Dolphin fans listening to this podcast that now hate my guts since I'm admitted to be a Jets fan? Oh, I don't know. Um, I've... I've been reading reports, though, that you're about to lose the nose tackle, and you know what? The Redskins need a nose tackle because they're really hard to come by. So losing him is Paul Salai. And, you know, if if the Dolphins want to let him go, the Redskins will throw money at him. Um, nose tackles are hard to find, and we'd really appreciate him. Yeah, so I, I'm right I, there with you, Jerry. I'm, I'm I'm trying to dish out so we can get the hate spread out between you and I. So trying to help out. We're, we're very good. I think the Dolphins need to really focus on that offensive line for – for reasons that go beyond even football. <laughs> they got to get that position sorted out. Uh, Cam, um, I know you're an avid NFL follower as well. Uh, who do you like in the free agent period? Um, if you want to remain anonymous on who your team is, that's fine, but you can tell us as well. And, and what are you looking forward to? I am not scared. I am from Detroit, and I am proud to be a Lions <laughs> fan, even though nice. it's very tough to deal with. Um, that is my squad. I ride with them 100%. Um, it's funny that Mike said Jarrett Bird because that's somebody that I think that my Lions are looking at because we might be letting go of the safety. Uh, I really actually wanted Sam Shields so we could bring him in at cornerback and then draft Mike Evans or a receiver to go opposite of Megatron in the first round. That's what my dream scenario was. Uh, so maybe a Jarrett Bird, maybe somebody else uh, at the safety position or defensive back. Uh, could be somebody that my, the Lions are, are looking at. Um, also, while we're stopped, props to Sam Shields. Sam Shields, $40 million contract, $12.5 million signing bonus. His pockets are so straight right now. Uh, so, you know, congratulations yeah. to him. Yeah, he came yeah, to Miami as a wide receiver. Yeah, last week, guys, uh, we had a different group on, and, and we touched on Sam Shields. And uh, I brought up a little story uh, for the people I listened last week. I'm sorry for repeating it, but but me and Josh Kaufman, who's also part of our State of the U staff, used to joke about uh, corners in both college and the NFL that didn't turn around and make a play on the ball. We used to call it pulling the Sam Shields. So that guy, um, 
That guy has come a long way. He's no longer pulling any Sam Shields. He's pulling balls out of the air and, and making green for it. So definitely props for him. He's improved greatly, and uh, I, I can't tell you how happy yet aggravated I am by that because I can't believe that the Miami coaching staff couldn't turn that guy into a good corner considering how well he plays in the NFL. But that, that's that's another story. Well, right. can I get one story on Sam Shields? My favorite play with him like one of the most athletic things I think I've ever seen in football was in that Wisconsin bowl game when we took the opening kickoff and they ran the reverse and they had like the blimp overhead and he started out like at the second line on the special teams, you know, as a blocker and ran back, ran all the way back to the end zone, got the reverse, then ran all the way to the opposite side of the field in a giant U loop. And I believe they they scored a touchdown, but they called a blocking in the back. But they did, like, his route, like, with soccer, like, following the route. And it was, like, 160 yards from that second line all the way to the end zone, all the way to the next end zone across the field. It was one of the most amazing athletic plays I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and, I mean, he, he's made a number of plays. I mean, they, they don't hesitate in Green Bay to put him on the number one receiver. I mean, Cam can definitely – that's for that. I've seen them when they played Detroit. They put them right on Calvin Johnson without hesitation, and, and nobody can really guard Calvin Johnson. Um, but he, he, right. he does a decent job in coverage on them. So, um, yeah, interesting to see him doing so well in the NFL. Interesting, like I said, slightly annoying because he never did that to you. But we're happy for him anyway. Yeah. All right, guys, we're we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, I like to take the last couple of minutes just to ask you guys if there's anything you want to add, anything, any projects you're working on, anything you guys want to add for for our audience. Cam, um, honestly, no, not right now. Um, at my real job, uh, we have a big event performance thing coming up this week, so I'm really focused on that. Uh, through Tuesday, Wednesday. After that, uh, hopefully, when recruiting starts picking back up, I'll. I have a couple more profiles and things like that, but you know it's uh it's a little quiet right now, and that's okay, but uh yeah, definitely some things coming up in the future and uh Cam, you touched on something that uh our audience is probably laughing at us uh, <laughs> all of us at state of you have quote unquote real jobs, so forgive us if our uh timeliness on things or if our some of our information i i think I think we do an outstanding job. As a matter of fact, I don't think. I know we do an outstanding job, but we're all uh, kind of doing this uh, moonlighting. So, uh, Mike, anything you want to add before we, we end the show? Yeah, I just I thought these were our real jobs because apparently on social media, I, I won't forget about a month ago, I don't know if they were talking to Cam, but they were talking to somebody, and one of our readers said, like, you guys have to do more because this is your real job and you guys are getting paid for this. And I was, I think me and Josh Mazer were like, excuse me? We are. You're, you're telling us we're going to pay. So that that was that was pretty funny um, to see. Oh, yeah, but we no, do that because we love it. That was mm-hmm. me. I remember that. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I I thought that was really funny. But I guess it goes to show, like, if if we're doing a good enough job, people actually think this is our job. So you know, it's a, it was a backhanded compliment, I guess. But um, what I'm working on, I'm ready for the off season. I know we're going to do, uh, you know, defensive unit. We're going to go just like we talked about today with defensive line, linebackers, safeties, corners, and break down each player. Um, that's how I kind of started last year. So I'm really excited to, once we get that group broken up with all the other, you know, editors and contributors in the next, you know, few weeks or months, um, I'm ready to get, you know, breaking down player film and writing about them and where I think they'll be able to contribute. 
Um, so I'm excited about that type of stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that, that's going to be fun. Um, we'll, we'll wait until we get into the summer, and we'll definitely break that down, and we'll have stuff for our fans pretty regularly on, on positions and key players and uh, key portions of the schedule and, and all the same stuff we did last year. Uh, for myself, that's awesome. I, I love I love March Madness more than anything. I um, you know, it's not the same as it was last year because Miami was a factor. Um, but I, 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 this time of year is just to me the most exciting time of year in sports. And I, I've, I love college football, but there's something about college basketball, March Madness, that is, is easily my favorite. So I'm gonna look on doing some writing on, you know, as the Keen season comes to a close, some more stuff about their season. And I'm going to do the ACC tournament preview, and I'm going to see what else I can touch upon um, going forward for March Madness, because I, I always find this time of year to be fun. Sounds good, man. All right, gentlemen. I really appreciate you guys joining. We'll see who we get on here next week. We never really planned this out. It's kind of like a first-come, first-serve, and we're trying to get the Amigo into the mix. He, he might be hosting some shows. Cam, always welcome. Cam did a great job with Peter. Ariz, um from Kane's Insight a couple weeks ago, and we're going to get some baseball guys on here, and just stay tuned, guys. It should be fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.